Welcome, my friends, to the Bucklerverse. It's a weekly look at all things geeky and nerdy through the lenses of me, your host, podcasting's Danny Buckler. All these things are perceived through my own filter. There is no notes. It's all off-the-cuff stuff, this. You're very welcome. If you want to subscribe, why not do so? Um, if you're watching the YouTube version, that is. Also, hit the like button, the bell, etc., etc. If you're still here after that, I've had a wonderful week. This week's Bucklerverse is... I've, I've been driving about a fair old bit, you know, a couple of gigs here and there. I'm back in the UK after my sojourn around Europe for the summer, working. Now it's gigging back here and the nights are drawing in, the trees have got no leaves on them. There's a briskness in the air and a dampness here in the UK and a munty feeling everywhere I look because let's not mince words. The lecky bill, am I right, guys? But what's been cheering me up no end is I have been listening to the audiobook Garth Marenghi's Terror Tome. It came out last week. I beseech you. This has been a strong week for me comedically. I mean, stuff I've seen, not what I've done. And this is one of the things that's really enhancing my life. I'm halfway through it. I shouldn't really be talking about it until I've finished it. I know, but it's so good. I've had to pull over three times this week. I've had to pull over from laughing so hard. I'm a massive fan of Garth Marenghi. My first Edinburgh Festival that I ever, ever, ever did, I did a show with my friend Mandy Mewden. It was called Two Funny Magicians. We're going way back here, way, way back. Too many years for me to mention it as I'm trying to keep my age a secret. But um, show business is a fickle bitch. (laughs) Your age leaks out, your work dries up. But... um, But no surgery. If you're watching on YouTube, no plastic surgery here. So, my first Edinburgh Festival, very, very young, very green, very naive. Still in that phase in comedy where you think, I'll do Edinburgh once and that'll be me a star. And I did it with my friend, Mandy Mudin. We did a show called Two Funny Magicians. Um, Half an hour each at the assembly rooms. Uh, We got one review that I will never forget. It was was called Two Funny Magicians. And the review was, they're neither funny nor magic. That was it. The Telegraph. Two funny magicians are neither funny nor magic. Oh, I hope he's watching this. Look, cruel reviewer from the Telegraph. See what I've become. (laughs) 57 viewers can't be wrong. But I I had an absolute blast over that Edinburgh. Probably one of the most fun I've actually had out there. But it was uh, good. But the reason I mention it is that in the same venue across the hall was a little show called Garth Marenghi's, it wasn't called Dark Place, what was it called? It was called something else. Oh, it's gone, I do apologise, but it was Garth Marenghi, it was what would become Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Uh, but performed live, no one knew who they were, it was um, Matthew Holness, I'll talk more about him in a minute, and uh, Richard Iode and a few of the others that you saw in the series, and it was phenomenal, everyone was talking about it, it was, and it won the Perrier Award, when it was still the Perrier Award, and that still meant something. I can't even tell you who's won the last four or five. Um, and it, its name keeps changing now. But when it was the Perrier Award, when it was being won by people like Lee Evans, you know, it was a big deal. Daniel Kitson won it. Um, and the year that I was there, it was Garth Marenghi. And it was just a great show. It was, yeah, tremendous. It was basically Dark Place Live. But the creativity involved in it, making that work, was just second to none. And unique, very unique. That style of comedy, it became a thing for a bit, uh, with like the mighty boosh, people of this nature. And, uh, but it was new then, it was fr- and I loved it, I really did. Yeah, really did. We shared a venue, 
And we had Stephen Burkoff uh, two doors down as well. That was interesting. He was doing his Requiem for Ground Zero. I met him round the back. Burkoff, my first encounter with him. I saw the show. Oh, God, I loved it. I really loved it. And um, it was proper Burkoff. It was just him on stage, acting out 9-11 of all things. The towers, everything. done. His, his, you know, one of those, an artist responds to what is happening in the world. And it was an intense Burkoffian melodrama. And I met him around the back because we were sharing a dressing room space. Yeah, like a, com- a community dressing room at the assembly rooms then. And um, it was divided into sections. You've got basically a table and a, a coat rack. And he'd built a tent around his table so that he could be, he could have silence. He was getting really, so the first time I met him, I came round the back to get some stuff. And he was there shouting at the guy that ran the assembly rooms. Why do I not have silence? And the guy's going, well, it's the thin walls, the venues, other shows are running. I just want this silence. And then um, the second time I went round the back, he was there um, on his own. And I literally, my, my heart was in my throat. I was terrified of him. Really intimidating, but I did go over to him and say, oh, Mr. Burkoff, I just want to say I'm a massive, massive fan, and that show was incredible, which it was. I really enjoyed it, and, um, you know, it's just just great to actually meet you in the flesh, sir, and thank you for everything. And Just to share a venue with you is incredible. And he said to me, I'm glad you got to see me before I fall off my perch. Perch. The word perch delivered like a, you know, a threat. But he did shake hands with me and he smiled. But there was a definite sense of, and that's all you're getting from me, my old son. And he turned away. Don't expect me to go into details about the filming of Rambo First Blood Part (laughs) 2. In which he is superb as the villain. Oh, what a weird career that is. One minute he's Coriolanus, Shakespeare. He's talking about the arts and the festivals. The next minute he's out in the jungle with Stallone. <laughs> Delivering sinister lines. You may scream, there is no shame. Coming out of the sky in that helicopter. Ooh, Burkhoff. Anyway, so that was my first encounter with the Garth Marenghi thing. And then, of course, Dark Place becomes a TV series, which I love the bones of. I bought the DVD. Um, just a brilliant, brilliant series. I'm sure you know all about it. You've seen it. And if you haven't seen it, indulge yourself. Get it on the Amazon Prime. You know, it's well worth it. Proper fun. I really love it. It's a, you know, if you don't know what it is, it's a sort of spoof horror show from the 80s. Garth Marenghi is a horror author who's very clearly based on Sean Huston. Sean Huston, I think that's his name. The guy that wrote Slugs. There was a thing, like, in the 80s. There were all these horror authors that weren't, they were just, that wrote sort of, I think there was even a word for it, splatterpunk. Horrible, horrible, gory, nasty horror novels that were a bit shit. But that teenagers bought, me, me being one of them. I was obsessed with them. And he was, there was Sean Hudson, who wrote Slugs, and a really nasty one about an undead gangster coming back for vengeance. And um, ugh, they were all rotten. And he was quite, and if you see him in an interview, that's Garth Marenghi. It's obvious, leather jacket, tinted glasses, nothing wrong with those. Nothing wrong with a tinted glass, a pair of glasses. But, you know, the, the, the voice and the attitude and everything about him. There's a couple. Guy N. Smith's another one. I should do a special show just on these. Guy N. Smith wrote Night of the Crabs. In fact, Sean Hudson in an interview said he read Night of the Crabs, thought, this is a piece of shit. I can do better than this. And that was his sole 
motivation for writing slugs. And um, no, no training, no skill, just did it. Just a bloke in his flat just wrote these horrible novels. But they went out and they sold like mad. I think Slugs is even a film. But that, they were the basic, and Garth Marenghi's a, a riff on them. And um, getting into them make, makes you appreciate Garth Marenghi all the more. And uh, Dark Place is a TV series in which he's, you know, he's also acting in it. And Richard Ayode's in it. It's a very, very funny show. And uh, yes, and this, let's just come out, Terratome is a new book he's written as Garth Marenghi. Um, it's three tales of terror in a novel, and it's just phenomenal. I just, if you love the character, you'll love it. But get the audio book. I highly, really recommend the audio book, because him reading it is, is hilarious. He's doing all the voices and the bits. I love that. I love anyone that brings character to something, you know, just make something visually and auditorially interesting much like this podcast i think you'll find um give us a like if you agree <laughs> give us an itunes review why not tell a friend but i've been listening to this audiobook and i don't want to spoil it for you i won't tell you the scenes just that it involves the word platen but i had to pull over and just sit on the side of the road and cry for five minutes i couldn't stop laughing really brilliant so I've met Matthew Holness twice, um, and the first time was at, of all places, it was at Jonglers in Camden. Now, Jonglers is still around now, but it's different. It's been taken over. It's under new management, and it's not what it was at all. Um, it's still a good night out, by the way. I don't mean that in a derogatory sense, but the old Jonglers was the chain of clubs. They had custom-built venues, 19 of them at their peak, and they could be either the best gig of your life or the worst, you know what I mean? They some of them were particularly harder than others, and uh, oh, I've got some stories about Jongler's bow, and don't get me started on Nottingham. But it was a great time in comedy, a great time to be a comedian when they were around because you could just you just you got a hotel, you were there for three nights. It was a proper comedy club, uh, mismarketed, but you know, no one's ever going to get that right. Try listening to some comedians, mate. Maybe ask them what's going on. Yeah. But, uh, oh God, that tone of voice. I hate that tone of voice. Even in jest, I hate it. What am I doing? Back on track, Buckles. But so I was at Jonglers Camden, and he turned up to do an open spot. Now, straight away, that, that was odd, because Garth Marenghi's Dark Place was an established thing, and there was no need for him to do an open spot for Jonglers Camden. And um, But he turned up, and he, he won the Perry Award a couple of years before. Dark Place was doing really well, and he was a cult figure. And what he was actually doing was he was trying out a character. He was trying out Miriman Weir, who's a folk singer character that he does in a show that had not yet then been filmed, um, Man to Man with Dean Lerner, which was a spin-off of Dark Place. It's a spoof talk show. Again, well worth you seeking out. Well worth your time investment. Very, very funny. And in that, he plays a, he plays a different character every week. He's the guest every week. And Dean Lerner is the talk show host, Richard Iode. And... Um, He's a great character comedian. He really is. And uh, he was trying one of the characters out. Because the 10 minutes that he did at Jonglers is the 10 minutes that that character does at the opening of that show when he sits out and sits down and does a performance as a, as a spoof folk singer. But Jonglers Camden ain't the room for it. You know what I mean? It's a rough hole. But he doesn't give a toss because that's not why he's there. He's one of those guys that's absolutely in his own... He's centred in what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. 
He's there with with purpose. He just wants to get this 10 minutes out. He doesn't really care that much how it, well it goes. You know, it's just trying this material, getting the beats, working out what needs tightening up. And he went up and he did it. And it was one of those weird ones where it was the best thing on the night that got the least response just because the audience was, it was not for them. This is comedy that you have to listen to. This is comedy that requires thought and processing. It's it's not late night Camden, Saturday, pissed coke comedy, um, which is what everyone else was doing. And uh, and I was um, doing a spot there. I wasn't doing that. I was to do my usual jongler's thing of sweating cobs and hoping to get through it without getting murdered. You know, they weren't my target audience. I don't. Re- I love those days, but they weren't my target audience. When I say he was the weakest thing on that night, I obviously don't include myself. I was the weakest thing on that night. Let's not mince words. Let's not pretend I was. You know what I mean? It was. It was horrible. But um. I'm sat there watching him. It was fascinating because I knew I didn't know what he was doing, but I worked out this is a means to an end. This is not him doing an open spot for John. Anyway, and the compare walks on. Who shall go nameless? But one of those guys that just did jonglers and nothing else, and did the same twenty-minute set his old his old life his old career and still does now. Hasn't changed a bloody word of it. In 20 years, worked out this 20 minutes that he could take around. And that's what he does. Just wanders on and bitter as all. Ha- like like the, the last one to put in a writing shift, but the first one to moan about the fact he's not a star. And um, these new comedians, that sneering, oh, this new lot, I don't know, what don't know that they're born, a new lot. It's what you sort of hear now on cruise ships sometimes. Not always, in fact, not from most, but you'll occasionally get a cruise ship comedian that will be a new comedian are you yeah. alternative comedy which isn't even a thing anymore alternative comedy alternative two comedies what i say and then goes on stage and starts talking about doing this the ship act that everyone does anyway mm. i tell you he was a good comedian bernard manning i had a, an act on a ship say that to me once i know all about comedy i learned everything from bernard manning so you know, that, you know, patronising. I learnt it all from Bernard Manning. Like, that's a big right hand. That's her move. Oh, I learnt about comedy from Bernard Manning. And, you know, you know the audience on that particular, you know, fair enough, love. That explains an awful lot about you. But um, so another piece of the puzzle will just move into place. Now, with love, jog on. But, um, where was I? So this compare wanders on after Matthew Holness has just done brilliance to, you know, people that aren't capable of receiving it due to their state. And uh, says, if he keeps going with material like that, one day they might even give him the Perrier. Like, oh. He'd done a similar diss on Daniel Kitson a couple of weeks before where it was like he was going on about, yeah, do that, that and that, and they might even give you the Perrier. Fuck off. But um, but Holder didn't even notice because he did, he did what he wanted to do. He got straight in the dressing room, notebook out, and away he went. Brilliant it was, brilliant. I didn't get to see him afterwards because he was gone. By the time I got in the dressing room, he'd shot off. I imagine he was doing another one that night. Then I see man to man, there it is. That's why he was doing it, and there it is. And it's a brilliant thing, watch it. But I did get to meet him again a few weeks later. Just, just by chance, we were both in the cinema store shopping. This is back in the day, no internet, so you had to kind of um, 
to see any sort of obscure film, you had to go to the cinema store because they imported the DVDs from America. You'd get the films you couldn't get here. And, um, and didn't they mark them up? Didn't they have a cash cow go in there? You know, it wasn't black market. You had to get the special multi-regional DVD player and then that was where you went. No Amazon then. <laughs> Can you imagine? Truly ageing myself here. But anyway, there he was, just, you know, in his, in his cardigan, like me, going through the, the cult film section, looking for weird horror stuff. But, like, looking for obscure horror titles, etc. And um, and I got to look him in the eyes. I said, Matthew, I don't know if you remember me, but I was at Jonglers about five, six weeks ago when you did your thing. He went, oh, yeah, yeah, man, yeah. And he was lovely. We had a little chat about films. Oh, you like this shop? We had a little talk about films and the shop and everything and that was it that was my one encounter with him lovely man very sweetheart and um yeah i recommend it garth Marenghi's terror tome get involved it is absolutely one of the funniest things you'll ever let you'll ever hear i do love a comedy my other favorite one's the doug stanhope one about his mum um that's incredible that'll get another chat or another time this is not about that but yes terror tome check it um, what else can I tell you? And I also saw, I saw John Richardson's new show last night. John, uh, the, John Richardson is on tour at the moment. I believe the tour is, if, if you're listening to this, by the way, in uh, 2022, John Richardson's on tour at the moment. If you've come from the future, when this is the biggest podcast slash show on the planet, when this is massive and I'm in America hosting the BAFTAs, when I'm not working on a project with my cool friends, and um, uh, you come, you've gone through the archives on YouTube to see what I was doing back in the day. Welcome to the past. But if you're listening to this as it's coming out, John Richardson is currently on tour, and I recommend you go and see it. Find wherever it's going to be, go and see it. Like he needs me to promote it on this. Do you know what I mean? He's got a massive. It's going to sell out anyway. Is it deservedly? But um, oh god, it's the best. What is it? About hour, must do, but he must do about an hour and a half, two hours nearly of, of stand-up comedy I've seen all year, including all the Netflix shit and all the specials I've watched. Just phenomenal every time, a different show every time. It's the so creative. But this particular one, really, I laughed hard. I laughed hard. Full disclosure, I do know the bloke. Obviously, I mean that's not a secret. I don't think, but um. I can. I am also. I also have emotional critical distance. You know, I can look at it objectively, and it was just free and joyous, and just funny. Just it's just a show that literally exists just to make you howl. You know, and the audience loved it. They went with it, and and um, rightly so. It's a show you get swept up in. He's, I love those sort of comedians, the world builders. Here, they build a world, invite you to join them in it, and. I just thought it was wonderful. I cannot recommend it enough. That'll sort you out. <laughs> That'll sort you out. Doctor, I'm depressed. I don't know what to do. I recommend you go and see John Richardson, the clown. He's playing the theatre this weekend. That will cure your depression. Oh, but Doctor, you don't understand. What? I'm Danny Buckler. <laughs> Nothing works. So, yeah. What a really, really good night out that was. And now, something not quite so joyous, but something that happened this week in the world of geekery that I would like to um, just talk about very, very briefly at the end of this, this year, Buckler Verse. Now, 
I've got the Wikipedia here. I don't. Not, this is all off the cuff stuff, but I don't want to get things wrong with dates and that. You know. Um. So Jason David Frank passed away. Jason David Frank, if you don't know, of course you know, he was the Green Ranger in Power Rangers. Now, I'm not going to pretend here that I'm a massive Power Rangers fan and that this has affected my life like that. You know, like Kevin Conroy last week's show, if you listen to it, that did affect me a little bit because I've been into Kevin Conroy for years. Uh, Jason David Frank, I haven't been. Power Rangers wasn't my thing um, growing up. I think I just missed it. I was just too slightly too old when it appeared. And um, it never really registered, and I didn't care for it. I didn't like that manga. I don't, I don't like manga very much. I don't like that that styley of thing. Um, Battle of the Planets is where I tap out there. That was my, my closest thing to liking a manga. So so he, he passed away, and then um, and I didn't particularly, I've got to be honest, it didn't really, you know, affect me until I realised who he was, because I've been following him. I've been following him for the last couple of years. But I didn't put it two and two together. Not because of Power Rangers. Um, there's an actress that I follow who's wonderful. Rachel Brooks Smith. R. Brooks Smith, she is on Instagram. Um, and she does like um, some mainstream stuff. You know, she's in some of those dance films. She's a dancer, a fitness person. But she's also... Um, oh, yeah, why are you following her, Buckles? But... um. But I was following her because she does cult stuff. She does... There's this wonderful world of straight-to-Amazon sci-fi movies and straight-to-Amazon horror movies. And some of them are brilliant. And some of them are... I just love watching them because it's a, it's a noble attempt. But some of them are absolutely brilliant, phenomenal. They got me through the lockdown. And, um, and she appears in films of that nature. And they're like, great, because some of them are like, there's no budget to speak of, but they create these the, the feel of a sci-fi blockbuster. And as you're watching it, you get the sense that everyone is having fun. So I, so I follow several actors that appear in films of this nature. And one of those actors happens to be R. Brooke Smith. And she's in this new thing, Lair of the White Dragon. And because she's in that, I started following their Instagram. And I've loved following the story of it. And it was it was him. It was Jason David Frank. That's how I knew him. And he's behind it. It was his brainchild. I don't know. He was the producer. He was the lead actor in it. And it's been growing over the last... I mean, I've loved watching it grow because the, the casting, they've been sharing photographs of the making of it, starting right from back with nothing, like the first day in costumes, the, the new costumes arriving. Everyone's excited. They're creating something and they're trying to build a cult. And he has been so positive throughout this. Like, he's building a new universe, a new universe of superheroes that he's creating, you know? Obviously, very Power Rangers influenced from, from what I've seen from the photographs. The White Dragon is basically a Power Ranger with a different helmet. And there's another, there's an evil dragon, apparently. But as it grows and new cast members came into it, including Rachel Brooksmith. And then uh, Mark Dacoscus joined the cast. Immediately, I'm excited because I'm a huge Mark Dacoscus fan. Massive fan of him. From right back from Only the Strong. Like, I've followed that guy. And he's, and he's another one I follow on the Instagram because he just gives me a lift. And I love, I just love that he was doing it. And he's my age. He was my age. And I need heroes, mate, right now. I'm, I'm at that weird point in life where 
you know, I'm being, let's not mince words, I'm being surpassed. The, the new generation's come through and overtaken, and now the next round's coming through, and the round after that, and they're, they're the ones that are going on to achieve great things in show business. And, um, and I need heroes. I need people that are ahead of me that I can still look to that haven't made, necessarily made it big, but are on the road and could potentially. And he was, that's why I was so excited for the Matrix Revolutions because Keanu Reeves, it was nice knowing that a man nearly 20 years my senior can still bust out a move. And that's why I was so excited because he was still going for it, you know? He was on there every day, going for it, creating, excited, busting out his moves. Not afraid to strike a pose, not afraid to meet a fan. He, he took it to Comic-Con. Well, it's not even out or finished, but he took it to Comic-Con. He had Barry banners up and he was pitching and getting involved and posing for photographs with supporters. And it was a lovely story. It was just a lovely, lovely story that I was enjoying. And then I find out he's taken his own life. Not, not three days ago at the time of recording. Now, that always affects me when someone does that because I... I've mentioned, this is not a mental health podcast, and I've been a little bit too open with that in the past, but I'm a failed suicide. Um, not, not a plea for sympathy, not not like a kind of, a, you know, although if you give me a like and a share, it might help, but not not a plea for sympathy. I'm well over it. It's not, but back, in, I, did, I did try it years and years and years and years and years ago, decades ago couple of times you know and then now then you get the you get the help you need and you you find out what's going on you work out your brains and and that's that but to hear that he'd done that it was that that thing that that there's nothing to indicate that was coming every post is so positive and so upbeat and it's happening it's happening it's happening in his life but you don't know what's really going on obviously you don't you can't and I'll be honest with you, it, it broke me up a little bit. Like, when, I, when, I, when I, my brain put that together, and it was because R. Brooke Smith put up a tribute to him, and I suddenly, oh my God, it's the same bloke. Why didn't I not put that? It's the same bloke. Of course it is. It's the same name. It's the same bloke. Yeah. Is there a point to this? And I believe there is. And it's just... And it's a point that everyone seems to make on Twitter every other day. And it's a point that I constantly forget. But it's just simply this. You don't know what's going on with someone else. Regardless of how positive they seem to be in life. How You don't know what's going on with someone else and you can't know and that doesn't mean you have to walk around you know going up to your mates who are upbeat and happy and saying are you all right really though I don't mean that but I do mean there's an awful just in this age of pylons and attacking and 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 being people being pitted against each other all the time and, and twitter pylons and cancellations and all this you've got no idea What's actually happening with the other person? You've got no idea what the real story is. You've got no idea. So what can you do? And the only thing you can do is just be kind. 
to everyone. Be kind. And if someone pisses you off, I mean, defend yourself, but, you know, before you... And I've done it. I've done the angry tweet. I've done the angry Facebook post. But, you know, I now I check myself now. You know, when I can, I check myself. And if it's not kind, you know... I don't know what I'm trying to say. You get the idea. So, yeah. Yeah, that was a shame, that. And I, do you know what I really hope as well? Is that that film comes out. I hope it comes out. I hope they finish it. I hope that team of people... Whatever, however it works however it works financially, however that team's made up, because he was clearly driving it, um, and he was sourcing the financing and everything else, as far as I can tell. But I hope that now he's passed... They finish it and they get it out. I think that would be the most beautiful thing. If that comes out, that would be a solid, solid tribute to someone who by all accounts was a great guy. Anyway, there's your Bucklerverse. Um, I hope you enjoyed it, my friends. And uh, I'm yes, and very quickly before I go, because some of you have... Um, I've had some messages. I used to get a little bit metaphysical sometimes on it. The right side of mad, the right side of crazy, but I would go into like little spiritually type riffs and rants and I've sort of toned that down a little bit on this particular podcast because of uh, wanting to get an audience. And not. And it's very hard to sell. No one knows what this is about. Do you know what I mean? You've got to sort of be, it's got to be about something. I'm still learning how YouTube works. But some of you got in contact and said, we missed that stuff. Can you do a bit more of that? We quite liked all that. Buckles has got you covered. So stick around this channel because I'm launching another show, a sister show to this show, up uh, the similar basic format, but it's going to go more into that side of things as well. So if you're interested in that side of things, stick around. Stuff's coming in the next few days, actually. Um, or potentially before you hear this. It might even be out already, depending on how these things drop, because I'm trying to get them out on the regular. Um, so yes, the Bucklerverse is done. Thank you very much indeed for watching or listening Massive love to all of you. Look after each other. And I will see you next time. Take care, friends. Ta-ra.